Welcome to Servants of the Secret Fire, Episode 11, Altitude, brought to you by Creators Design Media, voice acted by Alyssa Sanford, written and produced by Daniel C. Sanford. To find out more about Servants of the Secret Fire, you can reach us at Facebook at Servants of the Secret Fire Podcast, Twitter at the Secret Fire Audio and Instagram hashtag Servants of the Secret Fire. Servants of the Secret Fire, Episode 11, September 9, 2012, 7.35 p.m., JFK International Airport, New York City. The luxury Learjet circled New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport for the second time, awaiting the tower signal to begin its final approach thus allowing the one known as Geist an extra 15 minutes to muse before the mundane ritual of landing and refueling began. This trip was not his style. Not that he minded killing. He killed often, but usually only out of whimsy these days. It had been years since he had played the role of hitman or assassin, and both of these titles felt trivial and beneath him. Under other circumstances, he would have ordered this murder, deeming his time too important to suffer the indignities of international travel. But this particular quarry had proven too elusive for too long. A faint look of pleasure crossed his wrinkled, but not uncomely, face, as he mused about how the most valuable trophies were, at one time, the most difficult to track. And this game had quite a history. Others had already failed in the attempt. Many others. And if the truth be told, Geis was anxious to test himself. Not that the outcome of this particular encounter was in any doubt. No one commanded the fire as Geis did. Even at the current altitude of 15,000 feet, he could feel its energy stirring deep within the earth below. It would be a nigh impossible draw at this distance. But even so, he was convinced that he could still siphon off enough of the fire to rip the plane in two if he so desired, and even then his life wouldn't be in any peril. Such was the power that he wielded. Neither heights, nor depths, nor men, nor machinations held any fear for him. He commanded the fire, and no one commanded him. Preoccupy the kings for centuries, hunting down all servants of the secret fire that had been raised from that single thorn in their flesh, Five hundred years of researching, ferreting out, hunting, and, yes, killing. Hundreds had been whittled down to two. Two verified servants, both with one foot in the grave. The candle was one hair's breadth away from being completely snuffed out, 
that is, until its final spark was used to kindle another. This is what Geist had come to prevent. He lifted his glass of spirits, swirled it out of habit, and emptied the remainder of its contents in one practiced swig. How he hated flying. Beyond the normal vertigo he experienced as the natural result of being an aging human being, Geist hated not having the earth directly underneath his feet. He wanted, no, he needed, to feel the reassuring presence of the fire beneath him and available in vast quantities. It reminded him of who he was. It reminded him that anything was possible. The Learjet's early thirties bleach-blonde attendant peeked around the corner again, noticing that his guest's glass was finally empty. Ducking back around the corner unnoticed, he returned to the galley and pulled out his mobile phone, sending a quick text to the co-pilot on the other side of the bulkhead, before reaching up for his backpack in the overhead storage bin. Geist felt the gentle pressure of gravity pressing against his body as the Lear slowly began to ascend. Curious, he thought. Ever alert to change, especially unplanned change, Geist readjusted himself in the handcraft leather chair and returned to his previous train of thought. He rehearsed in his mind for what seemed to be the hundredth time since leaving London, his current mission objectives. Land at JFK. Refuel and connect in Chicago. Drive a rental car to the Abbey. Face the cleric. The cleric. How Geist longed to confront this man this servant that had set back his plans for so many years. It had taken the better part of 25 years to locate his whereabouts, this having been achieved three years ago. Five different attempts had been made on his life during that time, all by associates on American soil. Not one had succeeded. Even the last mission involving five of the best trained and experienced associates in the States had resulted in the loss of four and a dismal report from the last before he was executed. The cleric knew the fire, not only how to use it, but also how to convey its use to others, and that was the greater threat. One lone candle would burn out in time, but if its flames spread. The Lear continued to climb away from JFK, much to Geist's disappointment. How he hated unwanted complications. He unbuckled his seatbelt and faced the front of the plane, waiting. As if on cue, the bushy blonde steward twisted around the corner, brandishing a handcrafted ceramic 9mm handgun that had been designed for such airline assassinations. He extended it in his right hand professionally, and in less than half a second, three rounds at the point-blank range of five feet were sizzling toward Geist. He'd had his misgivings about this crew from the very first moment he'd set eyes on them in London. Geist had misgivings about everything, especially arrangements that had been made by others. Assassination attempts on kings were not common, but had happened before, even to him. Some associates simply didn't have the patience to wait their turn. The fire is a heady cocktail, he thought. Geist effortlessly drew upon his stored internal reserves to raise up a fire-induced shield that melted the bullets instantaneously upon impact. These reserves, however, were not limitless, and Geist assumed that his assassins knew so. They were obviously trying to cut him off from the fire through the physical distance of altitude and the numbing effects of drink. How little they understood. But truth be told, stopping three bullets at that range had nearly depleted Geist, 
and as a final measure, he used the last of his stores to strategically hurl the purple concave shield that had initially saved his life toward the young man. It collided with him, violently knocking him to the floor. Geist dove to the deck and began to crawl toward the back of the plane, hoping to reach the cover of a rear set of chairs before his attacker could regain his feet. Sliding behind a swiveling leather chair, he quickly removed his shoes and socks, then strained with all the substantial skill he possessed in order to draw any measure of the fire into his being at this height, which he assumed to be in excess of 20,000 feet by this time. If any other plane had been in the vicinity at the moment with a passenger whose eyesight was extremely keen, they would have noticed the faintest bolt of lavender lightning licking the bottom of Geist's Learjet. And if it were still possible for that same witness to track the origins of the bolt far beneath them, they would have seen that it extended all the way to the awaiting earth below. But it wouldn't be enough, and Geist knew it. If such a charge were to be directed at his killer, it might be felt, but in no more degree than if the man had stuck his tongue on the bolts of a 9-volt battery. Geist needed other options, and looking immediately to his right, he found them. It was the exit door. He could hear his assailant regaining his feet and beginning to methodically make his way, step by anxious step, toward his target's position. Geist used what little of the power he had at his disposal to produce a brief flash in the direction opposite his position in order to draw away the gunman's attention. Before he lunged toward the door, threw down the bar marked with the large red letters open and felt himself being sucked from the plane and out into the wide open expanse of sky. 20,000 feet. Geist felt himself tumbling and spinning in the freezing evening air, occasionally being flipped onto his back where he could see the leer majestically poised above him as an eagle in flight. 15,000 feet. With each passing second, he could feel his connection with the earth increasing. Already a substantial leak to the fire had been established, and, like an automotive trickle charger, Geist was replenishing his depleted stores, still spinning and falling uncontrollably toward the ground. 10,000 feet. Geist drew the fire into his being steadily now, with more confidence, even using its power to bathe him in a purple-hued shield that righted his body and placed him in a reclining position, facing the fast-shrinking plane far above him. 5,000 feet. While still lacking the power to produce an offensive attack, Geist was able to slow his descent noticeably, no longer hurling to the ground at terminal velocity, but falling at a pace of his own choosing, even taking the time to turn his head in order to choose a more secluded field to eventually land in. 1,000 feet. He continued to slow his descent as thin tendrils of violet lightning seemed to leap from the earth and stab themselves into his surrendered body. His whole frame was aglow as the final few hundred feet were traversed. The lightning bolts were supplemented now by wave upon wave of cut force fields that rose from the earth, two per second, intersecting Geist's body and slowing him to an almost imperceptible speed, rightening his position vertically. Geist landed softly, embraced by the field that he had spied from above. Touchdown. The moment Geist's feet touched the ground, he lifted his gaze in the direction of the Learjet, now only a tiny speck in the expanse above him, extended his left hand skyward, and released a blinding fireball in the airliner's direction. With that, the first of the three kings turned his head in order to take in his surroundings, 
then began to resolutely walk due west toward the nearest road that he had spied during his fall. It took nearly ten seconds before he heard the faint explosion from above. Thank you for listening to Servants of the Secret Fire, Episode 11, Altitude, brought to you by Creators Design Media. To learn more about Servants of the Secret Fire, you can look us up on Facebook at Servants of the Secret Fire Podcast, Twitter at The Secret Fire Audio, and Instagram hashtag Servants of the Secret Fire. Music for this episode was provided by Looperman.com and freesound.org. Please visit iTunes and leave us an honest five-star review and burn with us.